Good morning, Hillside. Why don't we come on in? Let's stand up, worship the Lord together. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven Sing, I believe I believe in signs and wonders I have resurrection power Sing the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven This is my testimony from death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'll justify This is my testimony This is my testimony yeah. So come together, sons and daughters Together, sons and daughters, but with blood and washed in water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Yes, our God will finish what He started. This is my testimony. We wrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. and his glory of Jesus and his love I love to tell the story because I know it's true it satisfies my longing as nothing else can do I love I love to tell the story did so much for me and that 
I'm not dead, you're not done. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. so excited this morning for another testimony, for the inspiration that you bring through our testimonies, God. We're so excited. So God, would you move in this place today? Would you have your way in Jesus' name? Amen. You can be seated. to mention a women's ministry event, which is the um, Beth Moore live event. Beth Moore will actually be teaching live here in Denver at Faith Bible Chapel on October 6th and 7th. So Amanda Yates is going to be organizing a group to go to that. Um, so if you are interested in, in going to see Beth Moore live, ladies, talk to Amanda right after the service or during the barbecue and get your name on the list so that she can make reservations. Um, from what I hear, Faith Bible Chapel is actually a relatively small venue for a Beth Moore event. So, I mean, she can fill up the, the, the ball arena, I think, from what I hear. So, um, make sure you reserve quickly with Amanda so that we can get um, tickets reserved for that. Um, also want to uh, just remind you, if you are filling out a Stephen Ministry application, if you're interested in doing the training in the fall, we'd like to get those as soon as possible. So, if you have that with you today, please give that to me or Christy. Um, and if you're still filling that out, but you're planning to do it, let me know um, after, after the service, just so we can kind of keep a, a, a place mark for you. We're going to start the interviews, not this week, but the following week. So we'll get out an email that has a sign-up genius for the interviews for Stephen Ministry. And then lastly, I wanted to mention that we are having a barbecue today. You probably saw that when you came in. 
So there's plenty of food, hot dogs, hamburgers, chips, desserts, drinks, everything. So please feel free to stick around and uh, enjoy the barbecue with us this afternoon, right after the service. And then we're gonna go ahead and um, break just for, for a minute here, but we're not dismissing kids today. Remember July, we are keeping the kids here in the service. There's actually a bunch of coloring materials and stuff in the back. So parents, if you want to uh, occupy your kids with that stuff during the service, feel free to grab something back there, but we're gonna go ahead and keep them in the service and youth group is gonna stay in the service as well today. So I think that is it. So let me go ahead and pray for us and then we'll take a quick break. Lord God, we just uh, come together this 4th of July weekend, just grateful to be here, grateful to be in your presence, um, grateful for the country that we live in. We know this country is kind of going away from some of your ways, Lord, and so we just repent of that as a country and ask that you would heal our land. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move throughout our land and just create a revival in our country. We pray that we would turn back to you as our provider and as our king and as our Lord. We are grateful for a place where we can worship freely. We just pray for our government, for all our citizenry, for just everyone in this country, that you would just continue to bless it and bring it back close to your heart. Lord, we thank you for this time together and just pray your blessings on our time this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So go ahead and uh, take a couple minutes, stand up, say hi to one another, and then we'll start back up in just a few minutes. quick um, preschool and nursery are still available downstairs so if you've got preschool or nursery age kids you can take them downstairs
All right, we're going to bring things back together. What do we do? Should I start telling jokes? <laughs> you love me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. So I want to tell you a funny thing that happened. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to get everyone's attention again. I'll just keep talking randomly here uh, for a while by myself. Um, has anybody seen the rain outside? Tornado warning as we speak? I'm kidding, there's not. What's that? I, it is hard to get everyone back focused. I, <laughs> thank you. We do have a chatty bunch, and that is why I love that we organize a time to stop and say hello. It is, a, it is an awesome part of our, our morning tradition saying hi to each other. I love it. But it is hard for me to get everyone back on track. I don't know how you guys do it, those that are preaching all the time. But hey, this morning, uh, I'm excited about this morning. Um, our first Sundays of every month, we've kind of labeled it, titled it, um, Our God Stories. And we kind of pause from our normal teaching schedule and go into what are the stories that, you know, what's God doing in our community? What are the testimonies of different ones of our congregation. And so, um, so today we get to hear from Kay. Kay is sitting right over there. Um, Melody is right next to her. She loves attention. <laughs> Do you see the, see the eyes that I'm getting right now? Um, but we have a video uh, from, from Kay's testimony, and we'll be seeing it this morning. You'll see um, pictures of little uh, Melody. That's enough. Stop there. But I wanted to just make sure that we're all paying attention as we're watching the video. Um, but I wanted to say uh, specifically, so I've met Kay and Melly in, in 2015. Um, and it is amazing just to see how, how the Lord has really um, brought us together. I, I feel like we've got a great friendship. And more than that, and just I've uh, learned so much um, from just the pursuit after the Lord. And you'll see in the video again, a continued pursuit after God and in, in celebrations and in difficulties. And it is just an amazing testimony. So this, this week, uh, well, we recorded probably um, a month and a half ago, uh, maybe two months ago we recorded. Uh, we were thinking to actually show it in May. So I guess it's been two months ago. Um, but it, it didn't feel quite right, so we waited uh, for today. Fun fact for you. Today is Kay's birthday. So because we can, let's just sing a quick happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kay. Happy birthday to you. So even if we would have all put it together, I don't think we could have planned it that good. And so today's our 81st birthday. So as you can imagine, as we're videoing, the first cut, we've got three hours worth of, of uh, material. And so um, feel free to push off lunch. It's going to be a good morning. 
and just kidding. We did pare it down to a 40-minute version, and then we pared it down to a 25-minute version for this morning. Um, but I have to say, the 40-minute version is awesome. There's so many cool stories um, that you won't hear this morning, but they'll also be on our website. So if you want to go back and hear some more of, of Kay's testimony, it's very powerful. It was uh, difficult for us to choose which ones can we keep, um, but just go, go listen to the 40-minute version. Um, but like I, like I was saying, um, yeah, her story has, has definitely impacted my life, and since we've been editing, we've heard the story um, probably 10 times <laughs> over the last week or two um, and beyond yeah, over the last few months, actually. And I realize every time I'm listening to her testimony, there is more little nuggets that the Lord is kind of stirring and doing a work in my heart on. And so as we listen this morning, listen to Kay's story, but then also be listening to what the Holy Spirit would be speaking to your heart at the same time. Um, because that's the beauty of how he works in our lives. Individually, I can get a nugget that you know, Beth will get a totally different nugget even from the same story. And I love how that challenges and encourages our faith even as a body together. Um, so I'm going to pray for us, uh, and then we will cue up the video and listen to Kay's story. So God, thank you so much for um, just the blessing of community, for how you have put so many amazing people in this congregation. And often I just um, am, am amazed at uh, just the cream of the crop that are in this room. And God, this testimony, uh, as Kay has gone um, all around the world and has pursued you and uh, experienced trials and pursued you again and, and sought your face in the midst of um, just ups and downs, God, it is encouraging to see the faithfulness, to see how you uh, continue to work, continue to move. And God, thank you for... Um, just the accumulative stories, and even in this room, what you're doing in each of our lives. So, God, as we open our ears to hear Kay's story, God, I pray you also help us to open our ears to um, your voice to be speaking in our lives this morning. I give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello. I'm Kay Cratley, and um, I'm here to tell you my story. old, my family went to a Lutheran church. We had confirmation instruction, and I started with my sister. She was in seventh grade, I was in fifth grade, and we went every Saturday morning for two hours, and did that until I was age 13. I came to believe in Jesus at that point in my life, and I remember singing hymns. I loved to sing the hymns. Rock of Ages was one of the first one. Take my life and let it be just as I am. Now oh, those words, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. We were here in Colorado when both of my children, Melody and Randy, were born. But then we moved to Syracuse, New York. We packed up a van with my piano and a few other things. Bob went to school there for two years. 
And then he got a fellowship to Indiana University and we moved there. And then in Indiana University, it was 1968, Martin Luther King had just been killed. And my husband sat up all night and saying, we've got to do something. So we moved to Washington, D.C. Three blocks away from the riot area on F Street, we were on C Street. I went to a church. I was going through a divorce. I was very angry, bitter. And I heard about this church that prayed for people, and so I went. And when I got there, there were two lines. And one line was short and one line was very long. And I said, well, if this is God, it's going to be in, he's going to be in both lines. So I went to the first line. And the first line, the pastor prayed for me. And he prayed that I would let go of my bitterness, my anger, and forgive. And so I did. And then I went back, and there was this other line. I thought, I'm going to go there too. And I went to that line and that pastor prayed for me, but when I got there, I was shaking with fear. And he said, don't be afraid. Your heavenly father loves you. He knows all about you and he cares about you. And I missed what he was saying because I was so focused on, on the negative but God loves me. He loved me back then. He knew all about me. He knew every step I'd taken that was wrong, but he wanted to assure me of his love. And he wants to assure all of you of his love for you. Well, I had heard some different people talking about, oh, there's lots of ways to God. And as I prayed about it, I came to the conclusion there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. And if there's only one way to God, people need to hear. So I made the decision to go to the mission field. As I said before, I was in a Lutheran church, and I loved the traditions of the Advent wreath. And I started thinking, if I go to the mission field, and if I end up in some desert area, I won't be able to find purple candles or pink candles for an advent wreath. And I remember leaving the dormitory and getting in my car and just driving and weeping because I didn't want to let go of those things. But I eventually stopped crying and went back and said, okay, Lord, I'll go. And then I met a woman, Dorothy Walker, and she had been in Indonesia, I think 35 years. And her husband is, had died, and she was now the head of the Bible school. And she said, would you come and help me? And I said, oh no, I can't come now. I have two and a half more years of Bible school. And she said, let's pray about it. And as we prayed, I felt I was supposed to go with her. So I went and started out as a secretary. And the other thing that I did, I had gotten a little keyboard, battery operated, because I wanted my music. So 
I had some songs with me. I used my language learning times to translate those songs and taught them to some of the students. That was, was one of the significant things in Indonesia. I connected with Open Doors people. Those were the people that took Bibles into China and other places. And they invited me to come with them to an outreach they were doing in Chiang Mai. And their school was to help people be aware that they could be persecuted, arrested, killed. That was a challenge. I was even invited to give a short talk on staying faithful to Jesus. Then the person who was had invited me, I had told him that I was in Thailand, I wanted to ride an elephant. And he said, great, I know just how you can ride an elephant. They have treks. So he signed me up for a five-day trek. I went into village after village after village. Sonny, the, the person who got me on a truck trek, took me up by the Golden Triangle. He was meeting with the widow of a pastor who had just been killed for his faith. And uh, it was like being confronted with, are you going to stand for the gospel? Are you willing to follow Jesus no matter what it costs? After Thailand, I went to Singapore. And that was like coming home. I ended up in a great big, huge church. They had 5,000 people in their church and they had 80 Christian education classes every Sunday. And I got to teach several of them. And then they sent me to Nepal. And Nepal was a different story. So I went into this home. It was a home for destitute women and children. They had 28 people in a four bedroom house and I had one bedroom. It was a place where people were being arrested. It was against the law for people to be converted. There were many medical missionaries in Nepal who had to sign something saying they would not evangelize, they would not lead anyone to Jesus. It was the last remaining Hindu kingdom and they did not want Christians. And I was afraid. I had said, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere, I'll do anything. but. I, I said, no, I don't want to go to prison. At that point, there were several YWAM team members who were in prison. The pastor in Singapore had told me, if you get arrested, I will pray for you, but I won't be able to help you otherwise. I was shocked that I was unwilling to go out witnessing. There's just so much fear. But the one thing that I did do in the house every day we went through the Lord's Prayer. There was also a church in the living room of that house. It was about 15 feet by maybe 18 feet, but it grew to 65 people in that three months. Some of the people in the house were just, they would go out and they'd bring their friends and they would get saved. And that was exciting. Going as a missionary, I wanted people to get saved, I wanted them to know Jesus as their savior. And at the end of three months, that was my time, I was going to be able to go back to Singapore. 
but it was near the Himalayas. In talking with a couple people, they said, you really need to go up to the Himalayas. So I did. And at that point, the Lord began to speak to me about the new converts. And what about their discipleship? So I decided to stay another three months. It was a time waiting on God. But when you wait on God and he speaks to you, it's, it's also very good. Well, when I left Nepal, I went back to Singapore. And I'd asked for a leave of absence because I was ready to take a break. The missions director came in and he said, we have a situation in Mauritius and we need you to go there. So I ended up in Mauritius. And there was a story about one of the areas that a Baptist evangelist had come and he did a crusade there. And the Hindus came at him with a gun and said, leave or we will kill you. And that was the area that God spoke to me about. And he said, will you go to that area? And it's like, I wasn't sure I wanted to go to that area. I mean, I was not very brave, but I did trust God. And I just said, Lord, if, if you will help me, I'll go. So I found an apartment and moved in. My habit was to spend an hour or two in the morning worshiping and praying and reading my Bible. And then when I finished that the first day, I said, okay, now, Lord, what do I do? And I just felt to take my little keyboard outside and sit on the steps by my apartment and pray and sing. So I started singing a song. And these three women who were there cutting grass for their, for their cows came up and couldn't speak, speak much English, a little bit of Creole. We use sign language too. And they said, we'll sing you a song. So they sang me a song, and then I sang them as another song. And we went back and forth a few times. And then one of the women said, my husband speaks English. Will you come for supper? So by that time, I did have a car. It was a 20-year-old Mini. And we took her great big sack of grass, and we shoved it in the back seat of the car pulling off some of the, of the lining of the car in the process. But it was worth it because I was going to get to go to their house. Well, they loved hot food and they made it so hot. By the time I finished, my hands were burning, my face was burning, my lips were burning, but we connected and that precious woman said, I want to take you to meet my sister. And then she introduced me to her brother and her brother-in-law. And then she said, I want to take you to meet my neighbor. And so we'd get in my car and we'd go and meet her neighbor. One person after another person after another person. I didn't have to go out door knocking. 
I just needed to stay close to this one woman. And the other thing that happened with Mauritius is someone told me about a group of people that wanted a Bible teacher. So I connected with them. I ended up with 80 people that I was working with. I remember one precious little old man who wanted to be saved. So I led him to commit his life to Jesus. And one woman, she'd been into sorcery and she said, well, God can't forgive me for that. And I said, oh yes, he can. And led her to Jesus. And through one of the lessons on deliverance, God also delivered her. We were both very surprised because she slammed back into her chair when she went through deliverance, but she was set free. But there were story after story of these precious people that I worked with. One of the scriptures that really touched my heart was Jeremiah 15, 19. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord to Jeremiah, but I always substitute my name when it's that. If you return and give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair, then I will give you again a settled place of quiet and safety, and you will be my minister. And if you separate the precious from the vile, cleansing your own heart from unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness, you shall be my mouthpiece. And those two phrases where God says, this mistaken tone of distrust and despair and cleansing your own heart from unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness. It's like, oh no, God, I'm so sorry for not fully trusting you in everything and every place you've taken me. Please forgive me. After that forgiveness, then I walked into a shop and there in the upper left-hand corner was this beautiful picture of a field of sheep with a shepherdess that just confirmed to my heart that I was God's shepherdess for those people. Before I left the mission field, I was kicked out of Mauritius. A government official came one day and said, you need to leave in two days. I came home. I was there a short while and suddenly my mother died. It was a sudden death. She'd been sick with the flu and died that night. It was very difficult. But in Indonesia, there was a pastor and his wife who were there and he was the most joyful person I'd ever met. And his story was he and his wife were pastors of this church in a Muslim area going through lots of persecution. And he died on the operating table and his wife prayed him back. And he opened his eyes and he burst into tears and said, why, why did you pray me back? And she said, well, our three boys and I need you. And he said, but I was up there dancing with the angels. And it so impacted me that 
I knew my mom was up in heaven dancing with angels. But then, a couple years later, my son took his life. And I could only say with David, when his son Absalom died, oh my son, my son, would God that I had died for thee. I think I spent the next six months focusing on how my son died and whether or not he suffered and all the things that you you think about. You're waking up the first thing in the morning is just right there in front of your face. And finally the Lord said, you have to stop thinking about that. You have to focus on what is good, what is beautiful. Philippians 4.8. I began to do that. I determined that I was going to focus on the Lord. I trusted the Lord and I worshiped God and I read scripture. Sometime later the Lord showed me that the key to overcoming suicide was to forgive him, forgive my son, forgive those who had hurt him, forgive myself for all the wrong decisions or anything that had affected him, and forgive God. God didn't stop the suicide. God is sovereign. He could have, but he didn't. But then my greatest fear was that because of suicide, my son would go to hell. And I had always prayed, among other things, that my son and daughter would be saved. And I had a good friend who said to God, well, God, he's in hell then, isn't he, if he committed suicide? And God said, I forgive murder, don't I? And I knew that God had forgiven David of murder. And that brought some peace. At a later point in time, I was in Toronto. This one leader came and sat down with us and prayed with us. And he said, you have a son, don't you? And I said, well, he's dead. And he said, well, I see him. And God's got his arms wrapped around him in a great big bear hug. And that was how my son hugged me. And I knew God was assuring me that my son was with him in heaven. And that broke the power of my fear. And we know intellectually even, maybe not in our hearts, but the only way a person goes to heaven is based on what Jesus did. He died on the cross for us. He died in our place. He paid the price for our sins. And all we have to do is receive him. I began to recoup from my son's death. I then discovered a lump in my breast and then I began the battle with cancer. I had a lumpectomy and 
and there was no more evidence of the cancer. But there was always the fear of the cancer coming back. At one point, I, I talked with two people and they said, is Jesus Lord of your life? Well, yes, of course, Jesus is Lord of my life. Was Jesus Lord of your death and the way you die? Like, whoops. No, I want to be in control of that. I had never considered that. And then I asked Jesus to be in control of my death and how I would die and the timing of my death. And that broke the fear of cancer coming back. It was a few years later, I got leukemia and I had a pastor in Indiana who prayed with me and he said, okay, this is what's gonna happen. They're gonna take you down to the point of death and you need to hang on to your purpose for living, your, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, your children, hang on to God and trust God. I spent that next several months, 39 days in the hospital that time and then several more trips to the hospital and but I came through and the leukemia went into remission and then I was five years out and praising God because I could trust him. Yes, before Donovan and I had a chance to connect regarding the roof, I had a stroke. It paralyzed my left side, left me with a lot of areas of helplessness. I don't like to be helpless. I don't think anyone does. Do you? Nobody does. But the worst was I couldn't play my keyboard with my left hand. And that's still hard for me. And God still gave me purpose. He said, you can pray. God has taught me I need to do lots of exercises. I need to be faithful and consistent in doing exercises. I don't like it. And I pray for healing. And I do believe that God can heal me. I'd gone to a church and I was prayed for and I was laying on the floor. God gave me a vision, but Jesus was standing there and he put his right arm around me. And I felt waves of love coming at me, just rolling over me. And Jesus spoke these words into my left ear. I paid the price for your healing. And I think that's the most powerful thing that Jesus has ever spoken to me. And I know, I know that I know that I know that we can be healed. Maybe it's not here on earth. Maybe it's just healed in heaven. But I can function. I trust God, even, even in the difficulty. In Isaiah 53, it talks about he carried our wounds and our sorrows. That was one of the other things that helped when my son died, when my sister died, my dad died, my mom died too. He carries our wounds. He carries our sorrows. And if he carries them, we don't need to. But sometimes it's hard to let go and give them to him.
So who had any idea? Right? I mean, look around this room. The stories that we possess are provided to us through our obedience and following God. I've watched this a lot. We had a hard time putting this together because there's such a richness, a depth, a wisdom, and a discernment to what you bring to our community, Kay. It was hard to like, even figure out what little tidbits work out of three hours of life, out of 80 plus years of living. But for me, this is a, it's an inspirational morning. It's a challenging morning. I love some of the things that Kay said in this. Um, did you catch, like, I wasn't very courageous. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're going to places where people are being killed and put in jail, and you still consider yourself to be not courageous, and yet you chose to go. Uh, even through those prayers where you didn't feel like you were, you were ready or it was the time, you prayed through it, said, I'll go. Are we willing to follow this example today? Are we willing to look around our lives and be able to follow what it is that Kay has demonstrated to us of what it looks like to truly go forth and proclaim the gospel? That's what God calls us to. She wants us to leave here being mindful over praying for the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And Christ wants us to rise up, to be his ambassadors to the world that is around us. Now for Kay, she went to these crazy places. You might need to go next door. You might need to talk to a neighbor. You might need to talk to someone in your work. Or maybe you do need to go to some place like Nepal. The Lord can use you if you allow him to use you. Maybe not Africa, right? I'm looking at Judd. Kay gave us this great example at the end, and it comes from a gentleman by the name of William Carey. William Carey did ministry in 1793. He started off as a shoe worker, and as a shoe worker, he decided to go forth and proclaim the gospel. He became one of modern-day history's kind of reshaping of missions. So from that, from being a shoe worker to going to India and translating the Bible and verses into 44 different languages. So shoemaker, right? Sometimes I think we might look at ourselves and be like, I don't have what it takes. That's exactly what you felt at the beginning of this journey. I just don't have what it takes. But in the midst of that, was able to go and minister to people time and time again to be able to take what it was that you had and so one of these examples that Kay wants us to have is this illustration of the rope. When William Carey left, he went to a friend and he said, I will go just so long as you hold the rope. And I think that's what Kay wants us to get today, that everybody in this place would see each other, ourselves, with the opportunity to go forth, to hold this rope for each other, wherever it is that we might go, to make sure that we're encouraging each other pushing each other, like go and do what God's called you to do. Maybe that moving of the Holy Spirit to go forth and talk to that person that God's put on your heart. Well, if you don't, who will, right? And yeah, we cut that part, but that was a powerful one. <laughs> if she, she said, if you don't go, who will? And I love that phraseology as we move through this, and that's the, that's the encouragement that Kay gives to us today. So I just want to say thank you. You have motivated me to be more intentional about sharing the gospel, and I hope all of us here will be able to see the example that you've set. I guarantee you that people didn't recognize or realize the places that you've gone, right? I 
got up there and said, who knew? Everyone shook, shook their heads. I had no idea. We all have stories to share. And so that's part of what we want this first Sunday to continue to be, is sharing these stories so that we can learn from each other, we can be inspired, we can be inspirational in the way we move. Here, you can hold her rope now. Yeah. So thank you. Can we give her a round of applause? And I think it's fitting now as we move into communion to just have this on our hearts. Uh, God obviously has communion for a lot of different reasons. For me, it's that constant reminder. It's kind of the recalibrating of my heart to make sure that I'm focusing on the things that God wants of me. Of course, this table is the place that we come to remember the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We come to this place, and I don't think we would be doing these miraculous things if we didn't believe in this Jesus. So as we come here, I just want you to challenge yourself, to ask the question of yourself, are we living an obedient life to what Christ has given us? So we come here and we're reminded that we're saved. I mean, I, I am reminded all the time of my salvation, but this is a special moment for us as a congregation to partake in communion, to remember the gospel, to recognize our Jesus, the only Jesus. There's only one that comes straight from Scripture. There's only one salvation. There's only one heaven. And that's what we come here to remember together. So we're going to take a moment. I want you just to come forth. There's some plates in the back and some up front. I want you to grab the elements. The only requirement we have here is that you are a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've given your life to him and he is your Lord and Savior, please come forward, grab the elements, take them back to your seat. I'm going to come up after some music. We will take the elements together. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hand and let them move at the impulse of thy love at the impulse of thy love and take my feet and let them be Swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Always only for my King.
God, we thank you. Thank you that your love for us existed even while we were yet sinners. Jesus, we thank you for coming. We thank you for being our sacrifice, our atonement, giving us righteousness before our God. Holy Spirit, we pray that this morning you would move mightily in our hearts that you would open up the eyes of our hearts to see what it is that it means to be followers of Jesus. That we wouldn't come to this table just as a ritual, but it would be a transformational moment where we continue to remember who we are as children, heirs to the kingdom of God. Let that move us. Let that change us. Let it inspire us. Let it take us places that maybe we wouldn't otherwise go. Let us move through our fear and proclaim this gospel that has saved us. So together, we take this bread, which is a symbol of Christ's body, which was broken for you. We take this in remembrance of him. And we take this cup which is a symbol of his blood, which was shed on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. But we also take this in remembrance that he's coming back. He's coming for us. Take this in remembrance of him. And now I want you to bow your heads, and Kay's going to pray for us as we conclude our communion time. My Father God, precious Jesus, my Savior, and precious Holy Spirit, you are my faithful God, and you are so good to me. You are my provider of many miraculous things. You're my protection, my comforter, my redeemer, my friend, my teacher, my righteousness, my sanctifier, my healer, my peace. You have been with me through all my life. 
I'm sorry for all the times I sinned or missed the mark when I ignored you or didn't pay attention to what you wanted to say, went my own way, refused to obey your instructions because of fear of man. I did not ask you oftentimes if I should do something or go somewhere and missed your will and your way, but thank you for forgiving me. You are my restorer. When all seemed lost, you are my restorer, my encourager, my confronter when I needed confronting or rebuking. I just thank you, Lord. Oh, 
sacrifice So use me how you want to, God Have you thrown within my heart So I this morning 
Thank you for your faithfulness. God, thank you for Kay and her testimony. God, thank you for just being so glorified in her life, through her life. God, we just want to proclaim your faithfulness. so grateful for all that you've done, all that you continue to do, and for your promises. And we're grateful for the pleasure of knowing you. We're grateful for the pleasure of knowing Kay. God, we pray that you would bless her today. that she would feel loved by you, that you would assure her once again of your love for her, and that she would feel loved by us, God. Why don't we stand and sing this last song together?
God, we praise you and thank you for your faithfulness in Kay's life and in our life. God, you are so faithful and we're so grateful. Thank you for this morning. I just pray that you would just bless our fellowship together and our potluck and bless our food. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for being here. Let's eat together in fellowship.